sake of time, we'll just let it go. I need a home. Uh, there's a couple of phrases that later on she says, I've tried this, I've tried that, and everything is just messed around. There's no ground left. Um, I want to come home. Where, where is she trying to go? Where are we trying to go? Uh, following what, from what we were saying earlier, another area that home is so important that we understand what home means is actually developing we develop in our homes. Children, when they are um, brought up, I mean, today, sadly, um, we have kind of shift the, uh, shifted the education or the bringing up or the development of children to the outer uh, layers of society. You know, we, we want the school to educate them. We, we, we parents, uh, desire for the church to do something, or this is club or that club, but actually... It, it was meant, the, the development and nurture of a child has to begin at home. And we see many dysfunctional situations, and it's because the home was not the primary place of developing, nurturing, growing, searching, uh, changing. And you, you know, what I've come to know with God is that, um, in my experience with God, is that God is actually the place where I change. We want to, we think that we change everywhere else. We change by confronting things. We change by uh, every day being responsible and doing that and the other. We change by going on a course and busy. But I find that my real change, my true change, happens with my time with God. He is the one that develops. He is the one that loves me enough to correct me. He is the one that nurtures me and sees the every step, indicates what I need to go on every particular area of my life. Today we have kind of divided the education in different layers. The parents are supposed to teach about how to behave at the table and then they go to school and they know how to be able in this, in behave in this circle and then further on into, into the working place and so on. So we, we, we find that education and development has become uh, segmented in many, in many areas. But I want to tell you that there is no a truer place of nurturing and developing when you are loved. When you are loved. Uh, I want to encourage you if you are a parent, if you, have, uh, if you have in the care, in your care, young children and young people, that place that you have with them is the most special place for developing an education. Because there is love, there is a platform of love. And God is that to us. James 1.4 says, let persevere and finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding faults, and it will be given to you. And I, in my journey this morning of showing you what God wants to be to you, I want to tell you God wants to be your educator. He wants to be your pedagogue. You know, pedagogue, the word pedagogue comes from a, a Japanese a tradition uh, is actually a, it comes from the Japanese stream where there was a man actually given uh, to taking this child and, and educate him. So it becomes the person that is, but it was dedicated to that child to develop every area of their life. And you know, God is your developer. God is your pedagogue. God is your educator. God is your developer. God is the one that is your master, your, your teacher. And we, I, don't, I was about to say, stop going on courses. But then I think, oh, I'll lead a Bible school. Come, 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 continue to study. 
But what I meant is stop looking for here and there and everywhere and trying to, to thinking that this secular society is going to make you the person you need to be. I'll tell you something. Who needs to make you the person you need to be is God. Who needs to shape your future? Who needs to shape your mindset, your belief system, your core values is God. We act, our action are out of principle, are out of belief system. Belief system come out of mindset. Mindset comes from core values. And unless our core values are touched by God, you know, I've noticed that core values, nobody can touch them. Only God knows really what is in you. And unless God has access to your core values, your life will not change. Because everything you do outside is a consequence of what you are, what you stand for, what you believe in your heart of heart. What drives your life? What is your core value? What, what does your, land, your, your life stand on? That is what will come out. And very little of society has got access to your core values. Society has got access to your mind. Society has got access to your practices. But very few, or I would say next to no one, has got access to your core values, which is your heart. But the Bible says that it's from the heart. Treasure above all things your heart. Guard above all things your heart, because from it the issues of life come. It means that place, the heart, the core value, only God has got access to. That is quite something. That is quite something. That's why God has got to be so involved in my development life, in your development life. More than masters and PhD, more than careers, God has got to be involved in your development. Because if God is not involved in that intimate place, there will only be layers of knowledge, but they will always come from the same fountain. We need to change. We need to continue to grow. And God is willing. I've noticed in my own life, God is always willing to teach me. God is always willing to sit down and change. And I, whereas before I used to, I used to tackle life with, with this approach. Something came in front of me and this, this thing that was in front of me, this challenge was too big. Or this challenge was too difficult for me. And I would discard it and say, this is, this is not for me. And I, I've understood that God brought it and I needed to change. I needed to change. And God wanted me, wanted to take me through a process of changing towards that which I have in front of me. We want to change what is outside of us. God wants to change our hearts. And I've, I've done this in my mission I work with uh, Assemblies of God with Mark, actually. He's my director. He's one of my... Hallelujah. <laughs> I love Mark. We work together in mission with AOG. And uh, many th- mission has brought a lot of challenges to my life. And uh, whereas before I used to stand in front of it and say, oh, I can't do this, Lord. You'll have to change option. You'll have to change situation. You'll have to change... Now I've realized that, Lord, you want to do a work in my life. And this will stay. I cannot ignore it. I cannot go around it. I need to change. And development is actually the willingness to change. It's our willingness to change towards that which we have in front of us. Change our comfort. Change our way we think. Change the way we schedule our day. It's masses of changes. Changes to our economy. Changes to to many things that might bring us to a place of saying, no, I can't do it. 
But we need to uh, look at it and say, God, what are you bringing me to? What are you wanting to do in my life? And, you know, I, I often say, we pray, Lord, give me, uh, the, take this away and do that and do the other. But I, I, I've come, and this is through, honestly through personal experience, that God has got an intention to everything that goes around us, an intention to shape us, an, in, an intention to change us, to develop. God is in the business of developing. He is the best teacher. Trust him. And, you know, there is a story in the Bible that we know very well is the prodigal son. And it, the story is, is often the parable that Jesus spoke. We often, we often title it the prodigal son. But when I was reading it, I, w- I wanted to, I, when I was preparing, I thought I wanted to think about a home in the scripture. And the, the, I, I thought about hmm, the home where Samuel grew and the home where Joseph grew. And then I thought about this and that. And then I thought about, the prodigal son story came to, to me and I started to read it and I realized that the prodigal son story has got very little to do what, with what the prodigal son did. Because basically the Bible says that he messed it up, went away and then returned. In, in a matter of a couple of verses, that's the story. But then the whole rest of the verses is actually about the home, God's home, the father's home, the dynamic. And it really spoke to me about the incredible implication, and it's all to do with God's, with the father's home. It was the relationship between the two brothers and what left, what he left and what he returned to. What were the dynamics that he returned to? What was the attitude of the father? So I've, I've named the story. I renamed the story. And, uh, Liana, you know, everybody's got version. Joyce Major's got Bible version. And when, when I have uh, my own version, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that day is good. <laughs> That'll be the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm joking. If you knew me, you would love me. <laughs> I would rename it God's home. Not the prodigal son, God's home. You know, when you look at the scripture, and I'm, I'm sure many of you know this story. It's about this son, two brothers, a father, and a rich, wealthy man. And one, the youngest son uh, got very tired one day uh, of the limitations, really, of this home. Because to him, it, it was like, bounding he found no scope in it that's what he thought and he said let's leave so he went to the father and said could you give me the part my part of the inheritance and I'm off so the father did and he left before he knew he found himself that wow there's something wrong here everything you see he had the thought that everything he had belonged to him Everything he had, all the privilege and the riches and the, the freedom and the, oh, the leisure and respected by the servants, he was the son. He thought, this is me, you see, this is me. So I've decided, dad, give me some of the money, I'm off. But what he didn't imagine and what he didn't experience is the moment he stepped out of his father's house, everything he thought he was ceased to be. And that is, I want to hammer that home to you. Everything you are, if you think you're special, if you think you're... Everything you are is because you are in him. Suddenly, suddenly, he was... Whenever he went for a cup of tea, suddenly he went out and said, cup of tea... 
And somebody went, what? What? Cup of tea? Who are you? Get your own tea. What are you talking about? No recognition. You must have started to think, something wrong here. What's going on? And then, you remember I spoke to you about the demon-possessed card? Because you see, we think the prosperity, we think the blessing is something that we work for. You know, I hear a lot of people say, I worked hard for it. I want to tell you, today you are privileged to work hard. Because there is the, the majority of the population of the world, they are not even given the privilege to work. Work has become a privilege. And this made life of ours that we think we own it all because this is my money, I worked hard. You were given the privilege to work hard and save that money. There are people that even wanting to do it, there is nothing to work. And you see, he had this thought that this was going to last forever. But I'll tell you, the blessing doesn't come in what you have. The blessing comes if you are in God. If you take what you have and you move away from God, that will cease. That will come. Yeah, you might have millions. My millions will never cease. And maybe in the physicality, we will always have money in the physical realm. But that which God blesses in his home, it's part of having, it's part of living with him. Suddenly, loneliness, suddenly, lack of respect, suddenly, the money runs out. I thought this was going to last forever. But guess what? It didn't last because the richness, the blessing, the love, it's in the father's house. As I said, all inclusive. He had all inclusive. But now you see, he had to pay for everything. And everything is measured outside of God. You know, how you step out of God, the law comes down. You step out of God, law comes crushing down. You pay your own bill and penny to the penny to the penny to the penny. In God, God doesn't count the pennies. You see, he gives us grace. But outside of God, you don't find that, do you? That's why you need to live in him. That's why you need to live in him. You step out and you better perform. You better work. You better, you step in in God. I want to tell you, you can rest and still have the Coca-Cola and the ice cream. You cannot work and still have the blessing. And it's, I'm not trying to justify laziness. I'm saying there is, some, there is grace in the Father's heart. In a totally different way that you can think of outside of him. You know, freedom is part of the Father's house. It's that freedom of being who you are. It's being loved. Provision is in relationship. It's not, I want to tell you, provision is not in what you own. Provision is in relationship with God. In God's home, there is such love that even when I know I'm not where I should be, I will be treated with dignity, generosity, and love. You know, when he returned, he wasn't where he should have been. And how many times when you are not where you should be, you are out of the work. You're out. Not performing, out. If you don't comply, if you don't... Uh, measure everything by the duty that you owe, you are out. But in this place, you see, it's a different place. It's not because God is not righteous, but God loves. And he came back to a place that even though he knew he was not where he should have been, he was still treated with dignity, generosity, and love. Where is, where is another place that you're going to find that? Where are you going to find... 
You know, you blow out everything. You blow everything that has been given to you. Your boss gives you a bonus. You blow it and you, you trample down. You lose his money. You invest it and you lose it. And then you come back. I'll tell you, you won't be treated with dignity, generosity, and love. You basically said, next. But in that place, boy, it was, it was almost like we separate who you are from what you've done. You are still a child. You're still loved. You're still part of us. You're still welcome. You know, you are always welcome in God's home. That's why his heart should be your home. Because we all need a place where we feel welcome. We all need, I've discovered and also through the studies, that everybody wants to live with a sense of belonging. We need to belong. The sense of belonging is one of the most important factors for development, for, uh, for, for improvement, for, for health and for allness. We, where we feel we belong, it kind of creates in us a, a heart that is whole. But where there is no belonging, people are lost. Children are lost. Children are dysfunctional. Belonging, we all need a place where we think, this is my home. I belong to this family. I belong to this place. And that place, it's in God for you. In God's home, there is compassion. There is forgiveness. You know, there is crazy love. There is crazy love. Sometimes I say to my husband, I, sorry from, for bringing him in, it's, it's, it's almost like having a Mia, but um, you may not be very interested in it, but I am. <laughs> um, it's like sometimes I, I, you know, we go through the day and he does this and that, and I said, Johnny, honestly, you, you uh, it's a bit like we get this phrase, you love me stupid. Um, but it's, it's exactly that, it's a, it's a crazy love. God is a crazy love. It's not a love that is measurable. It's a, he loves, he loves you. Um, can you contain, can you, can you stop, can you bind love? You can't. Love is given. Love is, is. Love is. You cannot choose to. He loves. God is love. Cannot go against who he is. You're never a servant. You know, I, I notice you can go in many places. My, my life has got many identities. And in one place, I'm the principal. In one place, I'm a wife. In one place. And I, I, stri- I, I, I try to stick very strictly to the identities. That's one thing that's brought order in my life. Because I used to live with confusion, ident- confusing, confused identity. Meaning, not that I didn't know who I was. But I confused the roles and the places where I had in my life. And God really spoke to me some years ago about putting order in who I was, in the places where I was. And if I was in relationship with my husband, to him, I'm his wife. I'm not the principal of the school. If I started to be the principal at home, we would have a problem. I wouldn't be here today. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm not the principal. Yeah, you can say all you want, but you know my principal. You know I go home and I'm a daughter to my brothers and sisters. I'm a sister to, to your nieces. You're an auntie to the church. You're a, you're a member. You're a friend to friends. We need to be friends. We, didn't, we don't need to be mothers and fathers. And to God, we are his creation. We are his children. So important. But in God, in the identity, you are a child. You're never a servant. You know, when the prodigal son 
when this son, the young son came back, he was so ashamed. He was so struggling with what he had done that he convinced, you know, when we, the mechanisms, the, the preparation mechanisms that we have in order to get to places, we start to convince ourselves in what we're going to say. Uh, I'm a great painter of, of scenarios. When I go, I'll say this and maybe I could share that. And, and he probably started to do this. When I go, how can I go and say, here I am? So he convinced himself. When I go, I will ask him to be one of his servants. He, he had to convince that that was going to be the answer. That's how he was going to approach the, 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 the situation. He thought, the door of sonship will be shut. I've blown that one. I took it away. I took a blonde inheritance so I cannot become my son because actually I didn't qualify for that. I blown it. So I will just ask to be hired. I mean, what? what a process, a painful process. It's easy to read the verse, but it's a painful process he went through. Convinced himself, I'll go and I'll just say, can I be one of your servants? Ah, the vision that he had of his father. How little did he know his dad? How little did he know his dad? You know, it reminds me of how we are with God sometimes. How little do we know him? We think we have to go to God and try to convince our way in and just put excuses and say, Lord, you know this. and Yeah, I know I can't do this anymore, but Lord, forgive me. Didn't mean it. How little we know of his father's heart. And, but the father saw him from afar and he ran. Because to the father, a son is a son. A son is a son. And there will always be that place in God that is yours. No matter what happens, no matter where you're coming from today, no matter what's going on, there is that place in God's heart, God's house, that is, in God's heart that is your home. It's your home. It's where you came from. If you went out a son, you return a son. It doesn't change. We don't, we don't change in between. You, remember what I said this morning, earlier on. What we come out of, we return to. Others know who you are. In, in the father's house, others know who you are when the father indicates right relationship with him. You know, it is not you who determines who you are. It is the father that determines who you are. And if the father had not lifted him to the, lifted him to, um, to the sonship position, he would have been a servant. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? And it, whatever God gives to you or whatever place you find in God, it is God who determines who you are. I, I, I am I'm concerned sometimes when people label themselves and when people title themselves and when people kind of impose who they are and you know we are nothing that God doesn't stretch his hand for us to be he determines who we are he lifts us to the place he lowers it it is God who lifts up and find a place that is not up to you or it, it is not your concern to be or not to be allow God to place you where he needs to place you and this is freedom this is actually freedom there is no threat in God's house um, uh, there, um, there, there, when you are in relationship with the father everything else falls 
in, in place. You don't have to worry about sorting out all the rest. You sort out first your relationship with God. You live in that place with God. I can guarantee you that everything that flows out of that will be right. It's, it's when we try to fix the outer scares first and then try to slowly get to our relationship with God that things go wrong. In the, in, in the Father's house, there are, many, there are many characteristics to God's house. The heart of God is humble. Um, you know, I, I can see, I, I'm just trying to get things from, from the story. The, the, the humility of this Father. And God is humble. Can I tell you, God is humble. We, ne- we never hear that, do we? We don't often hear about the humility of God. I want to tell you, God is the most humble being. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus God. God the Son died on the cross in perfect humility. There is something very humble in the nature of God. I love that about God. He is humble. Sometimes I can tell you he's more humble than I am. Of course he's much more humble. I come to him with my... And he says, Eliana, let go. And I think it's let go because you have to be right, because you have to be righteous, because God wants us to be righteous. He's telling you because he's humble, he would let go. So you're thinking that he's trying to tell you off. He's trying to teach you how to be. Let it go. You know, when the son, the youngest son arrived, he, he... of course, he threw himself and to the ground and the father is trying to... But then there was another son who got really upset. And he's, the Bible tells us that he was outside in the fields. I don't know what he was doing in the fields because he was a son. But anyway, we won't go there. Um, he wouldn't come in. And it just shows the stubbornness of our own behavior sometimes. We are the ones that take offense. He took offense, he wouldn't come in. And the Bible tells us that the father went out to the field. I mean, this father, bless him, he was always on the field. One time he's running after that one. The other one running after the other. And sometimes that's like God. He runs after us. He, you know, the sad thing when God has to run after us. That's sad. They were in the field. And God says, with all that I have to do, figure of speech, come on then, get the stick and walk under the sun. And he says he went to the field and listen, he pleaded with him. When God has to plead with us, when God has to plead with us, come on, change that attitude. Let go. Leave it. No. You're bigger than this. Just let go. Forgive. And he said, but if, you know, he came back from life, if you had done the same, would I not have done the same with you? You know, when you live close to God, your life will be a life of humility. Because God is humble. And I wonder, this is just my rantings, rantings. This is just my ranting, Eliana Rante. Put it, just classify whatever you want it. It's like when you see pride in somebody's life, I always think you can't be that close. 
You can't be that close, that intimate with God. Because I'll tell you when you come close to him. And you really see where he sits and what he thinks and what he feels. You will find a humility that you have not imagined or experienced yet. When you find God, you find brokenness. God is broken over situation. He's broken over his people. You find a place of real humility. Very deep feelings of love and humility. You know, love is humble. Love is humble. There are many things about God's home that we could draw from but I want to I wanted to just to highlight a few because it is so important for us to come close to that place and I know I've said a lot and I tell you I have another seven pages maybe I'll return one day <laughs> sorry we just skimmed through the thing but today we're living unprecedented times where the tragedy of refugees is reaching crisis points People are being forced. And I, I was thinking when I was preparing this, I thought, Lord, how fitting to the subject. People are being forced through many circumstances to experience the excruciating devastation of being homeless. And in the light of what I've spoken, I hope it makes more sense now what a homeless experience can be. It is one, it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy for a human being not to have a place to call home. I don't think there is anything more devastating because it's that place that we need. You know how much you need it. Come on, start to get the feeling of what people are going through today. When every day I long to run to that place, people today are traveling through deserts and through incredible difficulty they are homeless they don't have a place nationally their country they can't call home it, it, it's a it's a devastating experience we have many forms of homelessness we have war and political refugee according to the united Nations high commission for refugees the number of refugees and internally displaced people has reached its highest point since world war ii 70 million people, 70 million people are esteemed to be war refugees. 70 million people are refugees because of war. And war is not only the only sector of homelessness. Social and emotional refugees, numbers of homeless in England, listen to this one, statistic. Numbers of homeless in England has risen for three years in a row. 185,000 a year affected because of benefit costs and shortage of housing. One in ten people in Britain, in UK today, experience homelessness at some point in their life. One in ten. And it's in this country. Never mind about war zone. Never mind about economic refugees. Never mind about what is going on. And as we know, we are surrounded every day by news of the tragedy. Yet again, two days ago, I was looking at what is going to happen now. Uh, they are estimating another million people coming out of Syria from Aleppo and, and that area. And then we have, of course, the spiritual emotional refugees, high numbers of people who are broken spiritually, psychologically, relationally, and emotionally, experience a sense of being forced out of family life, work, social group, and society. That's another form of homelessness. There is not that sense of belonging. 
And today the church, as women especially, because women, we are the homemakers, aren't we? We are the people that kind of God has designed for us to create that space, that create that places. And I think we can play such an important part for creating a picture of what God actually wants to do. Today, the church, women in churches need to experience the true nature of God's heart in order to understand the value and need of bringing people in the same home. And, you know, I wanted to use this morning to go in from the place that God has for you. But then God wants you to, to secure you that place in order for you now to become the tool to prepare that place for other people. That is the story. That's the end of the film. That is the punchline. It's not just to be there with your feet up. It's to enjoy to such a degree that say, this is now what I need to be doing for others. This is what God wants me to create for other people. The need to move away from a ministry that chooses when to give and who to give to and start to live in a place of receiving into our home. You know, some years ago, and when I say some years ago, you know, it may vary from a year to 30 or 40 years ago. So everything is some years ago. Like a good Italian. The other day. John says something to me. Oh, it was five years ago. Well, the other day. And sometimes it's yesterday. So forgive me. But um, some years ago, God really spoke to me about, you know, I, I was a giver. I, I've always been passionate about helping people. But I still in my heart of heart had the concept that I gave to people. Until one day God says, uh-uh, we're going to go a step further. It's not about just giving when you want and what you want. It's about receiving people when they need and what, when they want. And my life went, uh, sorry? Because now it was bringing it to a different dimension. You know, even in our giving, even in our being, even in our being used of God, we can choose when to do it. It is different when you invite somebody for supper to when somebody turns on your doorstep for supper, isn't it? It's, it is to me. It is to me. So like, would you come for supper on Saturday, 7 o'clock, and you've got, you know, day off and hours for preparing. I managed to clean the house Saturday morning. We're ready for that. Come on. And then when they come, it's like, you're welcome. Oh, thank you. You know, when, uh, when my true nature is tested, it's when somebody says, on a Saturday at 10 o'clock after the whole week working at the campus, there's always, the girls can say there's always somebody showing up. Somebody coming through. We were just passing by. They seem to all be passing by the IBTI. I don't know what. But like all the roads lead to Rome. All the roads lead to the IBTI. And it's at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, 11, when you're still wanting to have your kind of... And somebody knocks at the door. So we were just passing by. It's that moment to say, welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I know I've exaggerated a bit, but I wanted to bring this concept of there is a difference in giving than in receiving people. There's a difference. And God wants to move us to a place of receiving. You know, it's about receiving people rather than giving to people. It's a whole different ball game. True. 
nature and the creation of man, we see a God who created an environment or habitat for his family to live in. My, my studies was always, as I told you before, to prepare a place which spoke of your heart for the child. Ministry to others is not about changing them, give to them, teach them and manage them. But it's about opening to them and you preparing yourself or your home for them. Helping others is more to do with your heart and attitude than going out to them. It is easy to give. In my own life, and I say to my own shame, it's not been easy. But God has taken me through a school that now I have to be ready. I have ready in my heart of heart for people. It is easy to give, visit, buy something for, tell. Another thing is to share, receive, allow to take and listen. And this is my maybe humble question at the end of this morning. What kind of home are you and what kind of habitat are you preparing? What have you experienced in God? I want to tell you what everything God is to you, you should be to others. We should be to others. God has been a refuge. He calls us to be a refuge. God has been our nourishment. He calls us to nourish others. God is a rest. He calls us to be a restful place for other people. He calls us to be what he is to us. I encourage you in all my heart to find a place in God because it's only in that place where then you are ready. You will be ready because you will not have to do it in your own home. You will do it in his heart. You will do it flowing from that amazing storage, amazing abundance, amazing grace, amazing forgiveness, amazing love, amazing provision. And that is my prayer. I just want to conclude. I'm, I'm sorry for going over the time, but I would just want to conclude and just lead you to, in a simple prayer, not emotional, not anything big, but just a place, a conclusion. And I have experienced a place in God that I long for other people to experience. And I, have, I haven't got anything in the world. I honestly, I don't, have, I don't own anything. I don't have anything. But I have a place. I have a place. I have a place. The Bible tells us that he's preparing a place. Even in the physicality of things, he one day will have a place that will be the actual culmination of our life on earth. But today, that place is already prepared in the spirit. Will you just stand with me just for a couple of minutes and you know we've we've heard these two famous things i mean rita or this young girls they've got the world they've got millions and they've got millions in their bank accounts they've got people they go pull their hair to go and see them they, they've got everything and they're singing to go home to a place and uh, I, I'm really, yeah, I didn't put it just to be fancy. I just, I meant it as a wake-up call. Everybody's looking for that place. We have that place. And maybe we have been the older brothers at times. You know, when you've got it, sometimes you, the less that appreciates it. Yeah? You've just all, had it all the time. You lose sensitivity of what you really have. And if that is your case today, it's just a reminder of saying, Lord, I want to really appreciate what I have in you. But if you have been in, but you didn't know what you really is that 
you have to come to God for, as I have explained this morning, then just say that to God. Let's, if you want to close your eyes, just to have that moment of intimacy, reflection, otherwise it's not a problem. But just after what you've heard, what you've heard this morning, just say, Lord, I want to, if that's your prayer, that is the place, Lord, where I want to be. That is the place that I need. That is the place maybe that I've been longing for, looking for. And I thought it was all down to my body, what my body needs. But there is more than that. I realize now, Lord, that it's more than that. In fact, maybe I had a night's sleep and then I got up in the morning and I was still in turmoil. And I realized that that didn't do me any good. And there was a deeper place that I needed to be. To be rested, to be nourished. Maybe your prayer is, Lord, I didn't know. I thought you were just someone, a God I love, but to serve you. And dwell in your love but I didn't see it as a place where I have to go and take conscious decision to live in maybe I felt when I said it this morning about that special room I felt in that moment that many of you don't have that room with God your heart is is just non-inclusive it's like a studio all open and everything is in the same place people hurts disappointments, joys, all in the same place. And I I would like to really encourage you to build up a wall and take, make a space, make a place for God. A place of intimacy between you and God. Not even your dearest people can interfere with that place. And that is really the holiest of holies of your heart. The temple, you know, the Bible speaks about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? What does it mean? It's for, and the temple was made of different sections, but there, is, was, there was one place that only pure intimacy with the authority of that people. And of course, the people of God had a, a common experience. We have a personal experience and we are that priest, that holy priesthood. I just encourage you in this moment. Say, Lord, I want to come home. I want to create a home in my heart of hearts where I, I am me and I am with Father. And your heart, Lord, is my home. It's a place where I come to. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for preparing a place. You have prepared through the cross. You have opened the veil. Torn the veil. The veil was torn. And you opened access to that place. And today, Lord, I pray my prayer for each one here present.
for each precious woman here is to create that home, that special place in you. Lord, every aspiration, every need, every dream, every tiredness, every conflict, Lord, that they might find in you that place that they long for every single moment of their life. Oh, Father, grant us, Lord, grant every prayer. And I know there are many people in their hearts are praying just now. Lord, pray that you will answer those calls, those appeals. You are our home. You are our home. Nothing else satisfies. Nothing else really feels like that place. Lord, every day, that place where we just want to kick our shoes off and just put our feet up and just change clothes and take off the necklaces and the silly things that we put on and throw them all on that box. And, oh, that feels like that. I'm longing to get this necklace off. Goodness me, it's like weighs a ton. I bet you, I'll wear it until this evening, but when I get home, I'm going to take that jolly thing off. And it's like that place where, why did I put this on? (laughs) Why did I have to put up with this all day? Oh, Lord. That we might find that place in you, Lord, where, oh, we can just be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, ladies. God bless you.